The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, My name's Johnny. Good morning, everyone. Found financial food for thought. My name is Mark Donnelly, and Carrie Waddell's back this week. Hi, Carrie. Good morning. And we have a deal, Carrie. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. It's a hefty deal. Uh, you know, but as we always say, it's the devil in the details. Yeah, well, I think there's crap in the details. I think it's really important. We've all agreed that uh, none of us got what we all that we wanted. Yeah. I didn't get all I wanted. They gave more than I think maybe they were inclined to give in the first place. But this reminds me of the days we used to get an awful lot done up in the United States Congress. We actually I, I'm surprised he remembers those days. Deal. Bipartisan deals means compromise. One of the things that I've, I've made clear, I signed on, and I'm going to let them give you the detail because, and you can ask them, and I'm, I will. Because he hasn't uh, read the detail yet. <laughs> I doubt most of them. Yeah. I promise you I'm not going away. Um, but, Dang. Uh, Kamala just fainted in the background. We agreed on infrastructure. We made serious compromises on both ends. Uh, there is, uh, and they'll, they'll give you the numbers. But I got some not, numbers for you, Kerry. They did not, and I understand their position. Republicans and this group did not want to go along with any of my family plan issues, the child care tax credits. The human infrastructure that I talk about, and uh, that we'll see what happens in a reconciliation bill in the budget process. If that, uh, if we can get some compromise there, and if we can't, see if I can attract all the Democrats to a position that is there. But we're gonna, they're gonna move in a dual track, and uh, the dual track. That's all I say. It's a new but idea. I thank each and every one of them. It's been. You know, a lot of us go back a long way where we're used to doing one thing. Everyone's falling asleep. Our word and that's the end. He's just going out and out. Nobody questions. They have my word. I'll stick with what they propose. And they've given me their word as well. So where I come from, that's good enough for me. So I'm going to turn it over <laughs> to the two chairs here. So, and, so the uh, press is just I'll dying to ask later. a question. Here we go. I have. I've spoken with the mayor. I've spoken with the congresswoman, and I'll have more to say about that as well. Mr. President, what does it mean that you were able to reach this deal? Are you committed to the two-track system, Mr. President? Are you committed to the two-track system? Yeah, yeah, sure. That is, there is going to be a two-track system. And are you confident that you're going to have all Here we go. the Democrats support in the Senate? He said it again, Carrie. I'm not confident about anything. You weren't here last week. I was talking no. about last week. You know that 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 was one of the oh, Bidenisms. That, yeah, well, you know, that's we, why I think I, I I don't follow. I'm not on Twitter, but on one of the headlines right after that was I saw in one of the news feeds that saying creepy hashtag creepy Joe was a trending, and they're like. What is he saying? Like people were saying, he's nuts. Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he, like so much for like strong confidence in our president in yeah, anything. He is hard to listen to because, especially if he's reading the teleprompter, because if the teleprompter has any errors in it, he'll just read right over the errors. Right. Like it happened the other day, right? Where somehow one of the paragraphs was mistakenly like repeated. Uh-huh. After like a di- uh, in-between paragraph, and he just went right through and started repeating it. And, and it, it, it's, 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 so it, it is, a, but 
The uh, so, mm. but there is this the two track system that is a devil, you know, and and part of the whole issue is that. The devil, a lot of people thought the devil did go down to Georgia in that Senate runoff seat that, you know, elected John Ossoff and, you know, Raphael Warwick, that now that the Democrats have that 50 seat and with Kamala, the tiebreaker, that they can do this bipartisan deal, which is not small. I'm going to go over the numbers, you know, $973 billion. And then some magically carry goes up to one point two trillion. Do you understand how that works? No. I wonder if President Joe does because I don't understand I it either. Um, it, it's something to do with it's it's nine hundred and seventy three billion over five years, and then but through what how they're going to do it, it's going to be one point two trillion over eight years. I, I'm getting lost in the fuzzy math. But, you know, did the devil go down to Georgia? In other words, what the Democrats are saying is, yeah, we'll get this bipartisan. That way we can do our final budget reconciliation, budget resolution, where we only need the 50 votes. And that's where we'll, boom, have the hot tax summer going on. And and really, you know, another four to, you know, six trillion in the what Joe Biden calls the human infrastructure, which included you know, things like free college and free child care mm-hmm. and free long-term care. I hear free, free, free. Nothing's free. Right. right. Um, so, Carrie, get us started, and then we'll talk a little bit about the numbers. All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 between 9 and 10. We're here to give you updates on financial news and information that can be relevant to your financial life, which for people, we try to talk about issues for people who are working and thinking, can I ever afford to retire or can I retire earlier than planned? Or if I'm in retirement, um, we'll talk about spending. I mean, it's kind of universal that people want to know if they'll have enough. What can I realistically spend without running out of money and how to address these issues and the concerns about people have about government spending, inflation, future taxes, um, like Medicare, healthcare costs, um, Medicare, um, long-term care, and other financial disruptors that we talk about. We're sponsored by the estate planning team, which is an Ohio-registered, affordable, fee-based fiduciary planning firm that's been around Cleveland now more than greater and helping people in the greater Cleveland area or Cleveland area and Akron for more than 35 years, helping people through unbiased objective analysis so that people know how decisions they make affect the long-term outcome. If you want to retire now, the real question is, one, how do I create the income I need when wages stop? But then how long are my assets going to last or what can I spend? Because you can retire at any time, but it really is what kind of retirement life do you want? Um, And then how do you create it? Or if I'm in retirement and I'm worried about a long-term care stay, what happens if something premature death of a spouse? Am I going to be okay? And how do I adjust? Or if there's a market downturn, whatever that is, we can model it in the estate plan. We build these long-term financial models or when people are faced with a decision, whether it's timing of Social Security, Roth conversion analysis, pension elections, we can do that analysis. Or if you're faced with a financial decision and trying to work out those numbers and trying to get some good, helpful information. We offer a free consultation, which we're happy to do those now in person, or if you still want to do those by phone, we can do that as well. And the free consultation is helpful and you can see if our process is appropriate. We can give you, if we can help you, then we'll give you options on cost. We do have hourly and comprehensive retainers fees. So take advantage of a free, no obligation consultation. Or if you want more information, you can give us a call at 440 239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or financialfoodforthought.com. And although we get people, Mark, that before you get started, that are retired, that call us with issues, especially a lot of confusion about timing of minimum required distribution now with the SECURE Act, which kind of got all forgotten about, um, and Roth conversion planning, and we've certainly talked about tax planning, um, But people want to know, you know, we've gotten a slew of calls of people who are working and saying, hey, is it, I don't know if it's COVID or just, you know, people want to enjoy their life and maybe they're tired of the long hours. They're saying, I don't, can I stop doing what I'm doing? Yeah. You you wonder if the COVID shutdown was 
like a precursor to if they would be bored at home or not. And I think many or people think are maybe, saying maybe I wasn't bored at home. Or maybe even if you are still bored at home that and you're working from home, maybe you're just saying, I'm tired of this. I would like freedom of time. I would like to... I've worked so hard. I'd like to know if I can now, I don't mind working. Maybe you want to work part-time. Um, I know healthcare costs well, are a huge issue. Well, I think the part-time, I think the Encore career right, and, and even the hobby career, which I'm finding more mm-hmm. and more baby boomers are interested in, they're right. saying, you know, I just need to get out of the rat race. They, they need to do something different. Even but I if know they, right. I, I need to make money. I'm not just going right. to sit on the couch and I love, I, and if... That's the new American dream. You know, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily the encore career, which may be. In other words, you're right. you're switching jobs. It may still be full time. Um, other popular ideas, though, are is the scale down. In other words, especially it, in the health careers or the technical. You know, can I only work three days a week or two days a week? Or it, like people who are in the health careers or the PRN do a few days a month, and how long would I have to do that? Because maybe you have a hefty ticket on travel. Maybe you have hobbies you want to take up. Um, certainly people have hobbies that have no t- cost item. Other people have hobbies. Maybe you want to do well, something else. Well, that's where that why, where the hobby career comes right. involved. In other words, if you're really good at doing something that other people like to do as well, mm-hmm. chances are they'll be, can they pay, will they pay you to teach them how to do it? Right. Or, you know, some, some, on some level of that. Right. right? You know, in, for over the decades, Carrie, you know, we've always had a situation where we would have the Harley Davidson fanatic, oh, right? Yeah. And their, their hobby career would be to work for the Harley Davidson right. to deliver the, the motorcycles to the, the new buyers. Or work in the store and they get a discount. So, yeah, so th- those are the ideas of the hobby careers. And the the scale down, too, is we're in a tight labor market. So if your employer may not want to see you walk out the door, right? And, right. And, you know, it, all, it always sometimes mm-hmm. makes it easier going to work if you've got a financial plan that says you don't have to. Right, because some people say, you know what, I'd love to retire. That Realistically, I'm probably going to stay on another two year, but it changes your mindset knowing I could walk away. And I think that's the value of the type of planning we do and the detail that we do is we get into so much detail with different, we've talked before, income, a different inflation rate, breaking out discretionary, mandatory, all these different things and so much detail that people are comfortable finally making that decision because we've built in so many what if, you know, that maybe those those easy online things hadn't thought about um, and just because they've put the work and time and, and giving that objective analysis for people. And another thing is we don't do investments. Our clients do that on their own or they work with an advisor. So what we do is, you know, trying to say what growth rate do you need? Right. We, we turn the tables upside down. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's what rate of return do you need to be OK? And the idea of not taking more risk than what you need to be OK but but the one last point, Carrie, I wanted to make about the the scale down is because of that tight labor market, and if you do have a financial plan that says you don't have to work anymore, but you still would want to work maybe for that discre- you know have more discretionary right. spending or what have you, or maybe to try to you know help you pay for health care before maybe Medicare eligibility at sixty five. Right. So the idea is why not make a, a, a proposition to your employer and mm-hmm. say, you know, do you think we could work out a plan where I'm I'm looking, get ready to retire? You don't need to tell them that you're planning on yesterday. Uh, but the idea is, I, I could, you know, would you be interested in me working in a scale down situation? Right. And we've had clients over the years be very successful at that where they never thought that the employer would go along with it. Guess what? They mm-hmm. did. And a lot of those, they were able to stay on the benefits, right. even in, in a part-time situation. So it, we always say it never hurts to ask, right? So that is the idea of you know working and, and getting a plan. Now, today, with kind of, a, of an offshoot of that, I'm going to talk about the rule of 61. Mm-hmm. And Carrie, you know, we, we, we do that pretty often. And I, probably most of you have never heard of the rule of 61 unless you've heard it on this show. Right. But that, that's the idea of what, we, what the, the people that study retirees is that when in retrospect, people don't really retire when they plan to. 
Sometimes so. it's because things life changes. Sometimes it's a forced retirement. Right. Sometimes it's health. Okay. So, can you do anything else before I bore everyone to? T- I, you, do you want me to do the numbers of the Biden structure? Uh, I mean, I, I quickly. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so ups- it's so ridiculous. Well, I, no, infrastructure is needed. I, okay, I mean, but if, if you're not going to do infrastructure with zero interest rates, I don't right. know when you're going to do it. But look at all the crap that's in there that has nothing to do with infrastructure. There's nothing in there, Carrie. Okay, yeah, I'm but, sure there's plenty in there. Um, by, here we go with Biden structure. So, okay, it's you know 579 billion, right? Um, over five years, 1.2 trillion over eight years and that nobody understands that but i'm sure president biden does um so the package would fund improvements to roads bridges transit airports and enhanced infrastructure for broadband water and electric vehicles okay um as you heard the clip that i played in the beginning it does not address any of president biden's human structure you know such as child care elder care see that's one the one there is a lot of people waiting for gary you know a lot of people are holding their breath saying the government's going to have to pay for my long-term care because I have no other way of doing it. Well, I think they do. It's called Medicaid. Well, no, but Medicaid, you have to be financially right. You know, insolvent. Right, but I, I, I said then I would hold my breath. Um, no, they, they want, a lot of people say they got to pay for everyone's. I, I don't see how that's even possible knowing what the cost is for long-term care. Well, that's where the, and all the, that's other where the spending, $6 trillion comes in. I, I think that's low. Um, now, so what is in it? Well, you've got $400 billion in the baseline transportation funding. That's just to keep what is going going, right? You know, So so part of the deal is they got to approve what they already are doing. Right. Right? So, so, um, but then there's $579 billion in new spending, right? Uh, of that, you know, $312 billion for transportation projects, $266 billion to, and other uh, for the water system, broadband, and improving the power grids. Okay, I, I'm 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 okay with that. You know, I, if they can protect the power right. grids, uh, that that's fine. Water system, yeah, that's fine. All right, so about you know, and then breaking down the numbers even further, you know, 109 billion baseline funding for roads and bridges, another 49 billion for mass transit. Then we get into 66 billion for passenger and freight rail. And $25 billion for airports. Now, wait, wait, hold wait on a, a second. second. <laughs> What's wrong with the airports? Isn't that flip-flop? Because then, airports, wait. not even that. I mean. Well, you want to put you want to put in $66 billion for who rides rail and, and only $25 billion for airports? That makes sense. Can we flip that around? <sighs> okay. Why is that? There's um, got to be some. All right, sixteen billion for seaports and waterways. I have no idea what that entails, um, and fifteen billion for electric vehicle infrastructure and electric buses. Okay. Um, so, so then the question is: All right, well, are they planning on paying for any of that? Okay. Um, and the answer is: Well, kind of no. Well, yeah, kind of yes, but not with tax increases. How, okay, then they're just going to print more money? Are be, they going to take cuts? Be, well, okay, this is how they're going to do it, Carrie. Um, so be, because where where the Democrats did want to get the corporate tax increase, you know, to help pay for this infrastructure, right? The uh, that's where the you know the the Republicans and and. Cocaine Mitch said, no, it's a non-starter. We're not going to we're not going to get rid of President Trump's, you know, tax cuts and jobs act of 2017, because that is what got this economy rolling like never rolled before. It was nothing to matter with it until we had the mandatory shutdown of the virus. So the right. So the Republicans say we're not going to vote for anything that increases corporate income tax rates. All right. So that was out. So then so then the Republicans came back with and said, let's increase the gas tax, um, you know, and, and target it to inflation. So it would go up with like an inflation figure and then charge fees for electric vehicles, because a lot of the electric vehicles now are, you know, if the electric vehicles aren't buying gas, then right. how are they going to help pay for the roads? Right. That's the part of the gas tax. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where. 
President Biden in the White House said, well, no, that's off the table because if we increase the gas tax, now I'm going against one of my campaign promises not to raise taxes on anyone making under $400,000. So once the two revenues are out, then they say, well, how are you going to pay for it? Well, here's how they're going to do it. They expect to raise $100 billion through public-private partnerships. What does that mean? I, I, I've that's the that's, that's really unclear. All right, and direct pay municipal bonds, so they're going to float municipal bonds. I'm okay with that, and plan to generate a net hundred billion by investing forty billion to beef up the IRS. Okay, um, they also plan to repurpose eighty billion from prior pandemic relief bills. Remember the money that was left over, Gary, that wasn't used. Uh, that they want to repurpose that, and our own senator, you know, Bob Portman, um, Rob Portman, uh, you know, said that uh, that amount really goes up to 125 billion when you're including previously approved um, broadband. Um, broad, uh, what was it? Broad, it was like I think it's from the un- I think it's from the unused unemployment benefits. Portman was talking about. Um, so they're thinking those, you know, there's a few hundred billion there at least. But what about these public-private partnerships? What does that mean? Well, you don't know about asset recycling? Acid recycling? Yeah, acid recycling. Did you hear President Biden talking about that in the Rose Garden? No. Um, Well, that's where the, the government or the public organizations, they sell off public goods like roads, water systems, electric utilities, with the intent of then using the lease money that the private people are giving them now, because they own the roads now, to fund new infrastructure. A process that kind of builds on itself, kind of like a pyramid. Scheme? We, we all know how those well work. I was going to say and, and, scheme, which yeah, follows um, that. Now, critics argue that asset recycling would fleece the country's public works. We all paid to build already. And allow private companies to control them. So is that where you want to go, Carrie? Mm, no. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. So we'll see how it goes with Biden's structure. I don't know if it's a done deal. Mm. Um, I sure. I don't know. Because of, you know, but I think they should do something. Um, and we'll see if. Um, are you going to the President Trump's rally? No, but I, I bet what would be interesting, actually, after listening to, you know, the little clips on Joe Biden, I mean, Trump is a, like, charismatic speaker, and I'd like to hear what he has to say. I'm sure I'll watch the video clips. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be one of the front row Joes. They said they're camping out on Wednesday. I know. They said it, and they opened the fairgrounds at, like, 2 o'clock, and it doesn't even start till 7. Yeah. That's a five hours of... I guess I don't well, know. The the thing I'm listening for, I'm not planning on going. It's where it's out in Wellington, right? The mm-hmm. Lorraine County Fairgrounds. Um, it's mostly a, a campaign. You know, but, uh, you know, Trump is going to back Max Miller, right? The the he's the one who's going to challenge Anthony Gonzalez in the 16th district. You know, mm-hmm. because everyone's upset that Gonzalez. You know, and I'm Voted I'm part of that Rocky River. I'm part right. of that. Um, and I remember I met. Uh, Anthony, when he was campaigning on my doorstep. He, oh, okay. Yeah, he went door to door. Um, but I don't know if he's going to repeat that process. Uh, I don't know. I, I wonder don't if Max Miller so. will show up on my doorstep. Maybe. I would like to talk to him. Um, so, so. Should be interesting. So that's really what I think it's going to be about. I wonder, though, if, if he's, if Trump is going to say anything about the August reinstatement, right? So have you heard this? No, but I think he'll say something. I mean, I think he'll say something well, funny. Well, a lot of those front row Joes think that Trump is going to be reinstated in August. Okay. That'd be interesting. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know about anything. I'm not confident. You sound like President Biden. I'm not confident about anything. I'm not confident because I think we're at a place where I didn't think we would ever be. So Yeah, but, but you know, so apparently... Homeland Security is worried about the August reinstatement conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Karen. Um, and what they're saying is that um, polls have said that 30 percent of Republican voters believe that President Trump will be reinstated in August. Hmm. And 
yet there is really no legal or constitutional maneuver that could possibly do that. Who knows? Like, that's why I said anything's possible. And uh, apparently Trump himself has reportedly told acquaintances that, that that's happening. Now, like the pillow guy, right? Mm-hmm. Did you hear the, the pillow, you know, Mike Lindell? Okay. Right. So, so remember he was trying to, you remember, he, remember, I don't know if you, he had a, he had a Trump rally not long ago. Okay. Um, and I believe it was, um, where was it? Was it in Wisconsin? Um, yeah, it was somewhere in Wisconsin. But I, I remember when he was advertising that because he was on the radio talking about it and he was how thousands and thousands were going to come. I actually thought Trump was going to be there. Okay. But I guess he wasn't. Okay, I don't know. I didn't even. See, I didn't read that. the fine print when right. Lindell was advertising it, but they just had like a jumbotron, and, and Trump like talked for seven minutes, like on a video that apparently bombed, you know. But anyway, so but at that time, you know, so Mike Lindell is one that is is saying that Trump will be reinstated in August, and I think a lot of Trump followers believe that's going to happen. It's the QAnon theorists, you know, and and they believe it's going to happen, and the Proud Boys believe it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen, Carrie. Call me crazy. But if you're holding, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just. All right. So, Carrie, I'm going to talk. I mean, the financial news. I don't know if there's anything I brow raising this week. You know, the, the third estimate for the GDP for the first quarter came out. No changes, still at six four percent. So the beach ball bounce recovery is happening. Jobless claims stubbornly still over four hundred thousand. You know, and I was a little upset with the headlines there. The headlines were, "Oh, job market improving." Well, yeah, I guess four hundred eleven thousand jobless claims this week is better than four hundred twelve thousand last week. Right, but. The fact of the matter is, the the street was looking for three hundred eighty thousand, which was a big miss. Um, so it's still, you know, this idea there's still a lot of unemployed, and a lot of people are saying, why aren't the why is there more jobless claims this you know now than than before? So so why aren't we under that four hundred thousand? Um, so we'll see. So I don't think there's anything major there. People are worried about inflation. Carrie, I talked a lot about that last week. How long have I been talking about inflation on this show? So you can always go back and hear our podcasts. And I think, Carrie, we started talking about inflation concerns six months ago. If not more. Yeah. So it's, yeah, we've been saying get ready for inflation. But that doesn't mean expect hyperinflation. But, you know, you can go back. And for our clients that are concerned about, we don't think it'll go on forever Maybe it's going to be like a catch up. So maybe for the next in 2021, we're, when we're updating their plan in 2022, we increase that inflation amount in their plan. How does that affect? Maybe you want to do different inflation rates on, on different things that are going on in your financial life. And we can model that in. Same thing with the concerns of inflation, a market downturn, an increase in health care costs. We default kind of at a 5% inflation. Some people really want to see an 8% and how that's going to affect Maybe their travel spending or some of their discretionary to make sure that's covered in a worst case scenario. And those are the things that we do at the estate planning team. We've been helping people more than 35 years and offer the free consultation by phone or in person to see if you can benefit. And there's no pressure to our consultations. We're doing those by phone or in person. If you want to take advantage of one and see how we're different and what we can do for you, call us. Um, if you leave a message now, we'll call you on Monday. Or if you send an email uh, through the website, we will contact you there as well. And we have some summer specials on the website. So if you come in at a certain amount of time and become a client, then there's some discount incentives for doing so because um, people tend to procrastinate. We all do with certain things. And there's only so many to-dos you can get to in a day. But financial planning is important and especially taking control of your financial life and we, right now, we know what the tax laws are. Um, who knows what they're going to be in the future? And if you're concerned about future tax increases um, based on the government spending, you need to be as proactive as possible, whether you're working or retired, and take steps today to create that future tax-efficient income so you put more money in your pocket instead of the government. Call 440 440- Two three nine twenty ninety. That's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. 
or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, and we've got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. And the estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, we have certainly coached and helped clients understand how to build a conservative, realistic financial model and carry over those thousands of financial plans that we have built in over the decades. We, how often have we talked about, yeah, assumptions need to be both conservative and realistic and they're not always the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, on the podcast, so for the last month previous to this show, we were highlighting the 50-30-20 rule. So you can go back and, and listen to that. And part of that discussion is the idea that, you know, we always say the 50-30-20 rule gets you to retirement, and then the 4% rule gets you to the grave, right? But to retirement is different because everybody has a different idea of what age they want to retire, Mm-hmm. But also, how many times, Carrie, have we heard the baby boomers cry that I can never retire mm-hmm. or Mark, I'm going to work forever. Right. And the idea is they think that that's being conservative because they're saying that I'm I, I'm never going to be financially strong enough to retire. I'm always going to need to work. And bring in money, but because I'm willing to do that, I'll be okay. But you also have to look at the second parameter of an assumption that goes into a good financial model, and that's how realistic it is. So is it really realistic to say that you are going to work forever? And of course, what does forever really mean? Does it mean age 70? Does it mean age 75? Does it mean age 80? And how realistic is it that you'll be able to work that long? And because we've seen the studies, we've quoted the studies, everybody's read the studies, that you know, about 50% of retirees retire earlier than what they were planning. Mm-hmm. And the number one issue, of course, Carrie, is health. Neither it's either their own health, right, or it could be their spouse's health, or it could be an elder parent's health, right. It, it could be you know that they need to be retired to be the caregiver, all right. The second probably reason why people retire earlier is they don't. No one's offering them a job anymore, right. Uh, you know the the company that they work for is no longer in business, right. I think that happened in this pandemic shutdown. Um, it, it could be layoffs. It could be the, that, the, or the you know the, the 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 employee is not willing to learn the new technology to stay in the job. Okay, because as you get older, you're, right. you're less, you know, anxious to learn a whole new program, so right. to speak. So yeah, so that's the reason now. That has to do with what I'm talking about, the rule of 61. But there's, I saw some recent article, and they had a lot of points about this same subject matter. So it's coming from everyone, not just one source. So they, this poll said, you know, the average age of retirement for Americans is 66. That's a Gallup poll, which is up from age 60 in the 1990s. All right. So that's one thing out there. So the is the new 65, 66? I, I don't know. Um, of the 50 million Americans ages 65 and older, the average income is about 38,515. That okay. seems low, doesn't it, Karen? That does seem low. Okay. Um, according to the U.S. Census. The average net worth, 170,000. That seems low. All right. There's middle America. Mm-hmm. All right. And we've always say, you know, when you hear, uh, let's say if you hear the politicians talking about tax breaks or middle, middle America, they might not be talking about you. Right. Um, now, this Gallup poll also said when they polled the 18 to 29 year olds, 
they always expressed optimism that they're going to retire closer to the 60s. But they also, Gallup says, when they up the poll respondents to, to age 30, that optimist is waning dramatically. Okay. All right. And people maybe are starting to realize I'm not going to be able to retire, uh, you know, as early as I once thought. Um, According to the Social Security Administration, a healthy 65-year-old woman has a very good chance of living to age 86. A 65-year-old man has a good chance of reaching age 84. That helps you in those Social Security break-even analysis. Right. Okay. Um. If you would look at a 65-year-old couple, you know, two lives, right? there's a 50% chance that at least one of them is going beyond age 90. Okay. Now, longevity. See, that's the problem professional planners are having the baby boomers get their arms around. Right. And we always say on this show, you know, don't confuse quality of life after age 90 versus the cost of living. Right, because people say, there's no way I'm going to get there. Well, maybe, no, you're not going to go on trips. God bless you if you are, but maybe you're spending that extra money because you don't want to go to a nursing home and you need help doing other things and you're going to have to hire people to do things you can't do anymore to stay in your home. It's a different spending level. All right. So the article goes on to say, despite 77% of Americans having retirement plans, many people just don't have enough saved to actually fund their post-retirement life at the same level as their working years. All right. In fact, for Americans between ages 55 and 64, the median retirement savings was just over $107,000. This was from a, uh, the, the Government Accountability Office, a 2017 study. The GAO notes that this amount, which may sound significant, would only translate to a $310 monthly payment and only if it was invested in an inflation-protected annuity. See, this is what this 50-30-20 rule discussion was all about that we've been doing on this show for the last mm-hmm. month. So if go back now, if you haven't caught those shows, you can get them on podcast and any, any convenient time and listen to them if, you're, if you want to see how we work this into a financial model. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and th- the baby boomer wave is just starting. Um, By 2035, the number of Americans 65 and older will increase from about the 50 million today to more than 78 million. Now, what is that going to do to the Social Security problems we're having? You know, the the financial, you know, Medicare. I'm thinking long-term care, nursing home issues. Um. Now, 50% of the people retired before they would have liked to. That's what what we were talking about. And again, they're saying the same thing. That's layoffs, caregiving responsibilities, an unexpected change in their financial situation. Um, Now, what percentage of the 65-year-olds, Carrie, are going to need some type of long-term care? Mm, I'm going to say 30 to 40. Are you saying permanently or temporary? Just at some point. Um, I'm going to say 40% or more. 70%, Carrie. All right. Seven out of 10 are going to need. If, that if you, sucks. Uh, I, mean, I mean, that's terrible. And under our current system, now, of course, that's Medicare only re- yeah. is not going to pay for a lot of that. Now, the question is, well, was everyone just going to go on Medicaid? Or that's why there's so many people holding their breath that... Bernie Sanders planned that the the new Medicare for all would include long-term care. Or the reality is maybe you need to plan for it because there are a lot of tools out there. I know a lot of traditional long-term care has gone away, but there are other tools the industry has come up with. There are other strategies you can use to plan for that. Right. And and are we doing classes this fall? Here? I'm hoping. All right. 
Because one of the one of the things we go over in the classes are what are the possible solutions to the long term care. I think dilemma. you could spend a whole class on that alone. I, yeah, I, we should probably do a radio show on that. But I mean, just quickly, the, the first thing everyone comes to mind is oh, long term care insurance. Well, that's one possible. Right, and frankly, a lot of people have got out of the long term care business. Yeah, I don't know if that's even a viable the, solution. The straight at this point. traditional long term care insurance. The people who have those old policies were lucky, especially if they got them when it was priced right. right. Then you have the hybrid, which is the life insurance industry solution to the long-term care And there's failure. a couple of those. There's ones that have life insurance with a long-term care benefit. There are annuities with a long-term care benefit. So you kind of hedge the, you know, you're buying a pool of money, but then if you didn't need it, you could use it for a lifetime. Or if you didn't use it, someone would get a death benefit. Then, yeah, then you've got the um, self-insure. That's what right. most of our clients want to know is, right. Mark, do I have enough to pay for it myself? So right. we can model that in to your Right. Your if you're scenario. a veteran, there's veterans benefits. Which are also not only medical underwritten, but also financially right. underwritten. Um, but there could be there for you and the spouse of the family. Right. There's creative ones that some of our clients well, have there's used. the continuing care communities. Right. You know, that, that they're popping up everywhere, right? Where We're, this is where you go in as an independent living, but if your health deteriorates, you get moved to the uh, assisted living wing, right? Or if you're really convalescent, you get moved to the back area. The skill. The, the, yeah, the nursing home's always in back. Right, right? it's not, and not as, well, and the thing of it why is- Why is the nursing home always in back, Harry? Because it's depressing. Because the idea is when you're back there, you're never getting up front again. Oh, okay. I just thought it was- it is depressing. But it but the thought with that is you have to come up with money and we've had clients do that and they're happy with it right. is that you have to pay a lump sum but if you ran out of money they're not kicking you out. Then we've got the legal solution, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, a lot of attorneys uh, they, they sometimes call themselves elder care attorneys. Right. right? And, and you need to work with somebody who specializes in that. Right. And they help the families get on Medicaid. So and the veterans as well. So they know how the laws were. They know those laws inside and out. Right. And they can help you understand and and they can, you know, do certain maneuvers Mm -hmm. that tries to protect some of the assets from a Medicaid spend down. Let's say it's all legal. It's all very difficult. Right. And but we've had clients who've successfully maneuvered that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if the final. Like I said, and then there's the other people that are holding their breath that the government's going to you know, pay for everyone. Or I like the creative one, Mark, where people say that are young and they say it might Harry, happen, especially, not... Mary, where you buy a property somewhere and you think, oh, well, I'm just going to use those funds. Oh, okay. The, the... I'm thinking of the creative. You're not thinking fun. like the, 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 the cruise ship, you know, the, oh, no. the ever-ending cruise ship, right? No. No, you're thinking, no, you're thinking of the second. Yeah, that, that's one, you know, the idea that. If you add up, even a, a, an, if you bought a, a long-term care insurance and, right. you, and inflation on that, because the premiums really stay the same, over 20, 30 years, that's a lot of money. All right. So, yeah. So we've had clients, and, and I'm sure and a lot of people do it, that instead of sinking their money into that, what they're doing is they're buying a vacation home. Right. Um, a vacation property that they will enjoy with their family, their grandchildren, their children, grandchildren. And the idea is they're going to keep a two-home scenario, but they're, the money that they would be spending, right? Um, they're going to sink into this vacation home and enjoy it. And then in the later years, they own two properties, right? Right. And so the idea is, well, I'm if I do end up in a nursing home, because of course I'm not going in, Kelly, right. right? I'm not seven. I'm I'm in the thirty percent that's right. never going in. Yeah, but just in case I, I I do go in, I won't need two properties. Right. So I could sell them and the proceeds, as well as the decrease of the expenses right. of those two properties, would be able to uh, pay for nursing. All right, but th- so- that one takes more. I mean, it's definitely a lot more appealing, but it takes a lot more numbers crunching because there's a lot of financial factors that go into that as well. All right. I've got to get to the Rule 61. Period. Okay. Uh, so what does the Rule 61 say? So, I mean, basically it says that People who aim to re- to retire later retire earlier, and flip that over. Those who plan to retire earlier actually retire later. So where does the magic number sixty one? So this was a study done by David Blanchett of uh, he was the retirement research at Morningstar, and it was done a number of years ago. He's updated it since, and it was an interesting study because he wanted to see is there any correlation that repeated it over, in other words, in terms of how long the person said they were going to retire or not. And he came up with this amazing rule of 61. Okay. Okay. 
And he says that it, it's, it's more accurate, um, you know, for someone who was maybe five to 10 years away than perhaps somebody who was, you know, one to three years away. Cause at that point it's too close. Right. right? So it's more of, you know, somebody, you know, 55 or, you know, 60 saying I'm going to use it. All right. All right. So he says that the percentage of workers retiring earlier than expected has averaged approximately 45%. Okay. And about 50% retiring about when expected and the remaining 5% are retiring later than expected. So that's his overall result mm-hmm. studies, right? Um, but how he worked it out was that he said, okay, um, you take the you take the number 61. You keep the, you know, and, and so, so people who plan to retire earlier than that age tend to retire later. And those who plan to retire after 61 tend to retire earlier. Okay. okay. And each planned retirement year, whether earlier or later, results in a half year difference in the actual retirement date. Hmm. So let's let's do some fuzzy math, right? Okay. So let's say you're planning to retire at age sixty nine. Well, most likely you'll retire at age sixty five. Okay. Because you you work out the fuzzy math. You take sixty nine mm-hmm. minus sixty one, the magic number, gives you eight. Right. You take eight divided by two, that's carry what? Four. four. So you take your 69 planned retirement day Minus less four to get to 65. Is this like one of those when you did in school where they had to start a number and then everybody came up with the same? <laughs> All right. Um, now, let's go the other way. I'm going to retire at what? 59. Okay. So I'm going to retire at 59. All right. You're most likely going to retire at age 60. Okay. So you take the magic number 61. Mm-hmm. You minus the fifty nine, your, your planned retirement you got date. Two. You two divide by two, so you get one. And then you add it to, to the, the fifty nine to get sixty. Okay. All right. Now, is this is one? I think it's the time where I usually say one of our estate planning team axioms that you know we understand that all models are wrong, but some are useful. So you know, it's it's a fun rule. It's right, but the relevancy is like. What's going to be your peace of mind in building that into your plan? You may be able to work till 70, but let's plan to make sure that your plan's working if you were stop working at 65 or 66. Well, yeah. And, and so I, sometimes I get the question, Mark, well, do you find that rule holds true in your estate planning team clients? Mm. And I kind of say, well, we know because we don't leave the retirement plan up to chance. In other words, we're already talking to our clients, coaching them. Right. That if they saying if they come in and say, I'm going to work till 70, it's like, well, really? Because for all the reasons we already talked about, you might not get there. And, and maybe just for fun, we'll build your plan A to 70. But just for fun, we're going to build a plan R and assume that, you, you know, what if you can't work that long? And it gives you peace of mind saying, okay, I could retire earlier, but if I work longer, it's just extra. I'm going to be that much more okay. It's just adding right. to do extra things. And if you are planning on retiring earlier, we're going to run you that financial model. Mm-hmm. This is what you were talking about at the beginning right. of the show, We will show you using conservative realist assumptions, are you going to make it? So you, you're not guessing and you're not falling. So that's why I, I talk about the, you know, rule of 61 mm-hmm. just as a heads up and saying that, yeah, maybe you want to not leave it to chance. Maybe you not want to be disappointed when you get to your magic age or, or, or what have you, or even worse, you have to retire earlier than what you're planning. And now you've got a financial burden let's do it on paper. Let's build the models so it leaves you in a better decision-making mode. And those are things that we can help people with at the estate planning team. Remember, we're an affordable fee-based Ohio registered fiduciary planning firm. And what we do is that financial modeling and number crunching to give people peace of mind, save them money and solve problems. And you can call for a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation at 440 239-2090. That's 440 
239-2090 or visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. You'll get to be the first to know about classes, listen to our podcast. You can get some specials and all emails come directly to me. So send, um, go to financialfoodforthought.com. All right. We got a few minutes left. Here. So for July, we're going to be talking a lot on this show, we'll be talking a lot, everything you want to know about IRAs and RMDs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're laughing at this. I am. I'm sorry. If you don't know who's singing this, I'm going to like be really upset. And you, I'm listening. You better not be pulling my leg if you say you don't know who this is. I am listening. One of the most unique voices in, in rock and roll history. I think I know, but I'm not going to say it because if I'm wrong. I wonder if any of the malicious millennials in the studio know who this is. She was one of those that, you know, died early. Okay. That doesn't help. Mm -mm. Bluesy, raspy. Hmm. All right. She was pretty popular. Okay. Her name was Janice Joplin. Okay. I, I would have never guessed that, so I'm glad I did. I kept my guess okay. to myself. <laughs> you better ask your dad about that one. I don't think I've ever listened to anything she played. Yeah, okay, I, we'll I, talk after the show. I'm so thankful I did not guess. <laughs> uh, all right. So, because we know everyone, everyone, all our listeners want to know is, you know, Mark, when do I have to take RMDs? But you need to know a lot more than that. And if you want to know, it, we'll certainly be talking about when you have to take your RMD because that changed with the Secure Act in December of 2019. So as long as you you know didn't attain age seven and a half before January 1st, 2020, your new required minimum distribution date that you want to keep track of is age 72. So actually, you have until April 1st of the year following the calendar year you attain age 72. But if you wait till April 1st of the year, Following the calendar year, you attain age 72. You'll have to do a second required minimum distribution by December 31st of that year. Okay. So you'd add, and in fact, do two RMDs in one tax year, and that could be expensive. So for that reason, a lot of our clients don't wait till April 1st of the year following the calendar year. They attain age 72. They take their first required minimum distribution in the calendar year. They attain age 72. Therefore, avoiding the two required minimum distributions the following year. Mm-hmm. Now, also, you know, you know, in that first year, it doesn't mean you have to wait till your 72nd birthday. If so let's say that was in July. Right. Because you could take it any time during that calendar year you attain age 72. That's the rule. We'll be talking about that. But, whether, you know, you need to know a lot more than that. So for the next month, and you know, over July, we'll be talking things about, um, you know, we'll be going over that Secure Act, and and, right. and more importantly, I'm going to go over what the Secure Act Two has got into it. Okay. Um, we'll be talking about the new life tables that go into effect in 2022. We'll be talking about we'll be doing case studies. We'll be talking about RMDs and Roth conversions, and after you know that, we'll be talking about inherited IRA RMDs. We'll be talking about 60-day IRA rollover failures. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Call for a free consultation or questions at 440-239-2090 or visit us at financialfoodforthought.com. Have a great weekend. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.